Welcome to Sports Talk with RNJ. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And the Mavericks did it. They signed Luka to a five-year, $200 million extension. He's making over $40 million a year. And uh, and, I, and after they lost the Clippers, I was questioning this was going to happen. I really was, because I think he was, he was very, very unhappy with them. It looked like he was unhappy with the Mavericks. He was unhappy with Carlisle. He was unhappy with Donnie Nelson. But... They get they they hire a new GM. They hire Jason Kidd. I feel like they made this move to make Luke to make Luca happy. And right now, the the big question for the, for the Mavs is now that you got Luca locked up for uh for the next uh for the next five years, can you get guys around him for him for him to succeed? I mean, we saw last year Luca had a great year, great year. But the problem was with the Mavs was they don't have that number two. Porzingis is not consistent. He was absolutely terrible in game three and game six in the first round against the Clippers. Hardaway is good, but you don't want him to be your second best player. So really the big question here for the Mavs is, is can they get a solid number two around Luka? Yeah, that's the thing. And yeah. Um, and we kind of saw what the Bucks did, because if they can just get like a supporting cast, like Milwaukee has for Giannis, then I think they could, could win it. Like, it, you know, because, yeah, Tim Hardaway is like a one-trick pony. If his three balls not falling, he's worthless pretty much. Porzingis, yeah, you know, he's you know he doesn't post up enough for a big guy. But, yeah, you can kind of get like a Chris Middleton to go there. You know, like a, that type of player who has a mid-range game, is a great defender, can hit threes. Like that's kind of – they need a supporting cast like that for Luka. Um, because – and Luka's good enough to put a team on his back. But he does need that supporting cast to help him out, especially in a Western Conference with so many great teams. But it'll be interesting what else, you know, who who they can get for him. But I, I definitely think that Dallas you know, Luca, they have a chance to win a title while he's there. Absolutely. That's the question. Do they have a chance to win a title? I think they absolutely do, because I feel like the new GM is gonna get some guys around him. And and I think he's the kind of player, as you saw last year, he's the kind of player that makes guys better around him. You saw in the game, one of the games against the Nuggets last year, he was able to get the ball to Maxi Kleba. He's able to get the ball to Josh Richardson to hit big shots. He's not selfish. If there's a double team, he's going to pass the ball off. So I think players are going to eventually want to play with Luka Doncic. Yes, it's been a challenge to get players to want to play in Dallas as they won their first championship. In two, when they won that championship in 2011, they didn't have a great number two. I mean, they had some solid guys some solid guys on it. I mean, they had Jason Kidd, who's a future Hall of Famer, but he was out of his prime in those days. They had Jason Terry. They had Tyson Chandler, but they didn't have that solid number two. But I feel like there's a very good chance Luka could, uh, could draw you know, good, good number twos there. So I think they very easily could win a championship. I mean, obviously the issue is going to be is how stacked the Western Conference is. Uh, the Suns, they're always they're going to be a good team for, for a while. Uh, but, the, but the question is, the, here is the comment we got from Obi. No matter what they do, the Lakers and Clippers will be on top. I agree with that to a point. But here's the thing about that. Uh, you got, obviously, Kawhi's injury history. And the Lakers are getting old. I mean, yes, I think the Lakers' window is about two to three years because, obviously, LeBron's getting old. And as we saw in New Orleans, Anthony Davis uh, it can't really win. You can't really win a championship with Anthony Davis being your best player. So right now, I think they definitely can because I think the Lakers and Clippers, even though the Western Conference is stacked right now, I think the Lakers and Clippers are eventually going to get worse. And I think I think that Luke is going to draw a number two, a, a, good, a good second option to play with him. So I think the Mavericks definitely can win a championship in that five-year stretch. Yeah, I do too. You know, um, obviously we saw, we saw what the Suns could do. Yes, the Lakers kind of Clippers um, are going to be up there. But yeah, you know, Lakers windows probably closing. 
you know, we'll, we'll see what Kawhi comes back from the ACL injury Scott left. I'm like, even the Warriors are kind of getting older too with Steph and um, Clay Thompson. So, yeah, I, I think the Mavericks do have that window there to win a title, you know, and, and you know, and yeah, Luca seems like a guy that a lot of NBA players kind of want to play with because, yeah, you know, he's, he makes you better. Yeah, you mentioned he definitely does make you a better player. You know, you could look at that Olympic team too when he just played for home oh. Pennsylvania. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, he carried that Sylvania team. That was pretty yeah. amazing what he did. He carried that Sylvania team. I mean, they he, they didn't lose a game until they lost to France. That's that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and a couple of those guys, I can't think of their name, but he made them better around. Like, um, uh, I think it was Toby, and I think the quarterfinals had, like, 30 points. Like, you know, like some of those guys had some big games, you know, like – you know, it took some pressure off. So, like, even on the Olympic team, he's making guys better. So, yeah, I, I definitely do think the destination players are going to want to go to. And I think Mark Cuban's one of the best executives in the game. So, it, again, I think Dallas is definitely in good position here to win a title in the next few years. Yeah, yeah. And that, obviously, as we said off the top, that was the biggest question. Were the Mavericks going to be able to, you know, keep Luka Doncic around? Now that question's answered. Now it's time for them to build a team around him. Yeah, and I think they can. I think they will. Um, I, I think they will get that another star. We'll see what they can get if they do end up trading like a Porzingis. They did re-sign Tim Hardaway, but, yeah, you know, get that kind of supporting cast there. And I think Dallas has a real shot here in a very tough Western Conference. But yeah, I, I think they need it done. I think what they should do, I, I like the move for re-signing Tim Hardaway. I think they got to find a way to try to get something for Christoph Porzingis. Can you get a couple draft picks? Because he just was so disappointing for that team, especially in the postseason last year. Yeah, absolutely he was. And I thought he could have a big series against the Clippers if he kind of went down low and, you know, kind of posted up on guys. But he didn't really want to do that. Yeah, he's just – he's not a great defender, and he's not, you know, I wish, you know, um, he'd do a little bit more down low as a, as a big guy like he is because I – when he is down there, he, he does a lot, and he plays well down in the post area. So, yeah, I wish he kind of went back to that. But they could get something, you know. I think they could get something decent for Porzingis. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. But the main thing is the Mavs signed Luka, and they will be championship contenders for at least the next – they'll be championship contenders for at least the next five years. Because if, 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 uh, if they win that game seven against the Clippers, don't forget – I think they beat the Jazz. I think they give the Suns a really good series. So I, I think that team could have went really far last year if Luca uh, stayed. If if they beat the Clippers in the uh, in in the first round, because you remember that they were the only team that played uh, that that played Kawhi Leonard when he was healthy, fully healthy in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great point. They did, and yeah, I think that that um, that Mavericks team, yeah, that they could have, you know. Beat the Utah. They could have ran in and, and beat the Suns. Yeah, you know, because they were playing well. And yeah, that Clippers team was, you know, the four seed, you know, with a lot of talent. But yeah, you know, they, when they lost Kawhi, they were obviously a different team. You know, yeah, the, the Clippers lost Kawhi earlier. Dallas probably wins that game. Yeah, Dallas really could have easily could have been in the NBA Finals, um, you know, just, you know, two months ago. They, 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 they definitely could have. Um, with that road because yeah, they wouldn't have had to avoid the Lakers. And I think it could have set up really, really well for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with this Luca extension and we'll see what happens with the map. But the main thing obviously is, is they, they extended them. 
But we got to move on to the NFL, and uh, Josh Allen signs a six-year, two hundred fifty-dollar uh, extension uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Well deserved. We knew this was going to happen. He's getting forty-three million a year. He's right up there with Patrick Mahomes. He's right up there with Dak Prescott, and it's well deserved because he his numbers have improved every single year since his rookie year. In two thousand eighteen, he threw he threw ten touchdown passes, twelve interceptions. Completion percentage was one of the worst in the league. Year the team went six and ten. Year two. Wasn't great, but he still was. You, you saw he was. You saw that he was improving. I mean, twenty touchdowns, nine interceptions. Completion percentage was improved. Quarterback rating was, was improved. T- the team was improved. They went ten and six, lost in the first round to the Texans. And then last year was his break. Obviously, his breakout year. Thirty-seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. Uh, he was phenomenal. His completion percentage was uh, almost seventy percent. He 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 became a top quarterback last season, and that's why he's getting paid like a top quarterback right now. And the big question is is can the Bills win a Super Bowl within the, within the time of his contract? And I think yes, because I think eventually Kansas City is going to get worse. I mean, they're going to have you know they're going to have to get to, to uh, because the contracts of Travis Kelsey, the contracts of Chris Jones, those are going to end up expiring soon. And they're and with Mahomes' big deal, they're not going to be able to pay them. So there's going to be some years where the where the uh, where the Chiefs are going to be very very Mahomes reliant. And I think I think eventually the Bills because I think the Bills are a Super Bowl contender this year. So I think very easily Josh Allen can could not only get the Bills back to the Super back to the Super Bowl for the first time in almost thirty years, but I think he could win the Bills the Super Bowl. He's that good. Yeah, absolutely. And I see the comment here from Ovi. Um, yeah, I, I and um, you know the great direction the Bills are. Um, I think they have the right players to compete against the Chiefs, who are the favorites again. Yeah, I definitely do think. Um, the Bills do. I, I really think that that Bills Chiefs could kind of turn in the robbery we saw in the 2000s, you know, like the Patriots and Colts were. Like every year, you know, again, you could see these two quarterbacks in the AFC Championship games for years to come. Obviously, we saw it first time in January. I think it could be the first of many for those two. And yeah, and I, I think there's going to be years where Josh Allen's going to be able to, um, you know, knock off Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, you said it too. Yeah, you know, um, the Chiefs, yeah, they have a ton of big contracts that at at some point are all going to expire. I think they, they will have their years. You know, the addition of Stephon Diggs last year was, you know, kind of that missing piece. He's gotten better every single year. It's really deserving. I definitely do think the Bills have a shot to win a Super Bowl. You know, they don't – you know, that division now, they don't really have to worry about the Patriots for right now. Maybe in a few years, yeah, you know, the Patriots, you know, kind of are back in – you know, kind of in the division race there. But – um I, I definitely think the Bills have a really good shot. Again, I think their defense is going to be a bit better this year. And with that offense, I think they're going to be as explosive as ever. So, yeah, it's a great deal for the Bills. It's well-deserving. He's a guy that after your rookie year, you didn't really know what to think of him. But he's gotten better every single season. Um, and, and with the deep ball with him and Diggs last year, that connection was um, amazing and so fun to watch. So, yeah, I think he's going to be able to deliver the Bills uh, Super Bowl. I know we put a comment up. Bills would need to focus on on uh, defensive speed so they can man up against the, against the Chiefs' offense. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean that was the, that was the problem last year. Is the Chiefs just they just ran they just ran wild in that AFC Championship against game against them. I mean they just I mean Hill was open, uh, Kelsey was open. They just had they just had big games. Mahomes had a huge game against them. So. Yeah, definitely. Maybe they could, you know, mix in some man and some zone coverage when they play this year. But I think another another thing the Buffalo will have to do this year to compete with the Chiefs is they're going to have to get a running game to keep 
that Kansas City offense off the field. They're going because that's what Buffalo. But Brian Dable caught a lot of pass. He was very pass heavy as his offense last year. They need to run the ball more with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss this year. And they got and obviously, yeah. And I think if they're able to do that, they're able to keep protect their defense so that they could, they can spend more time off spend time more time off the field. And they could they could obviously they. They could obviously have more success on offense. They'll be able to move the ball better. They'll open up play action for Josh Allen. And you saw what the Patriots did to them, you know, did to the Chiefs back in 2018. A big, the biggest reason why they won that AFC Championship game was the way they were able to run the football. If the Bills are able to do the same, there's a very good chance they they could compete with Kansas City this season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they got to get that running game going. You know, I, I I think you know, like I really like I was really high on Zach Moss coming out of college. I think he's going to play better than he did last year. You know, we've seen what Devin Singletary could do. So, yeah, if they can get that running game going, um, you're absolutely right about that AFC Championship game in 2018. Yeah, they, they wore him down. They kept, you know, because that's the key. You have to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. That's kind of – that's how you have to beat the Chiefs. And Patriots are able to do that. It's kind of the recipe um, to knock them off. So, yeah, if they can do that, they have a chance. But, you know, I, I think on the defensive end too. Yeah, like they need like an Ed Oliver to play a lot better than he did last year. Yeah, interior pressure would be big from Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver's got to improve. That's that's a great point. Yeah, you know, so yeah, they didn't really do a great job getting the quarterback last year. So, you know, if they can get better in those areas, then yeah, I I think the Bills have such a good shot to um, knock off the Chiefs. Yeah, we saw in the AFC Championship game they could not slow them down and. Um, you know, you got to be able to make a few stops still, even though it, it's an offensive game nowadays, but you still have to make a couple of stops to put yourself in a, in a position to win the game. And they were not able they were not able to do that last year. Oh, absolutely not. Either time they played the first game, uh, the, uh, Edward Solaire and ran all over them in the, in the first matchup in Buffalo. And then the second matchup, uh, the, the Chiefs just threw all over the, the Bills defense. So, Yes, they're going to obviously have to contain that offense and be able to run the ball if they want to contend with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But we got to get to another story around the NFL, and that's Darius Leonard uh, signing a five-year, ninety-eight million dollar contract, the highest-paid inside linebacker. He just he just uh, beat out the contract of uh, Fred Warner. And uh, the biggest debate here is is we know Leonard's the best player in the Colts' defense. I think he's a, I mean, him him and DeForest Buckner are one and one a. But the biggest thing here is is uh, is he the best? Inside right now, would you take him as the best inside linebacker in the game? Uh, for me, I would. I think he's. I think he's good in coverage. I think he's really good against the run. I think him and Fred Warner are very close. My top three would be: I go Leonard one, I go Fred Warner two, I go uh, I go Darius. Uh, I mean, obviously, I go Bobby Wagner three, I go uh, Le- I go uh, Levante David four, and then I would go uh, Demer- Demario Davis five of the uh, of the. Uh, New Orleans Saints. So I would right now say Darius Leonard is the best linebacker in the game because he do everything. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker and he can cover well. So right now I'm going with line, Leonard being the best linebacker in football. Yeah, I have him right there. You know, him and Fred Warner, you know, by Wagner, like all three are like a toss up. But I think, yeah, I have Leonard number one. He's forced the most fumbles, you know, since coming to the league um, since 2018. Um, Ovi Wagner, number one. What? Wagner's still great, but he is getting a little bit older there. I mean, he's a little bit older, so he's got a good, oh, he's got a good point there. I'll give him to him. I'll give it to him there. Uh, but it's I, I, tough, I'm, I'm, it's tough. But I'll, I'm, I'm giving it to Leonard yeah, right now. Wagner's getting I'm a little bit older. Age. He's yeah, a little bit older and not as good in coverage. Not as good in coverage. 
Yeah, because he's good. You know, I, I love, yeah, there's Leonard instincts, you know, because he's a great run stuffer. He's good in coverage. You can put him out there. And his speed and his length are just really, just uh, really, really good. So, yeah, I have him right there. I, I It's so close between yeah, him, Wagner, and Fred Warner. Eric Hendricks. Really Hendricks is up there, too, for Minnesota. Hendricks, I put yeah. him up there, yeah. Yeah, uh, Lamont David with the Bucks too. Yeah, like, you know, there's there's a lot of good inside linebackers. But, yeah, you know, um, Leonard's kind of been a force when he's been – when he's, um, you know, since coming here, he's probably been the, you know, the biggest steal of that draft back in um, 18, coming out of the second round out of South Carolina State. So he's, you know, um, kind of a guy that, you know, I, you know, um, that, ha- you know, he's had a lot of success. You know, he's forced the 10 fumbles since coming to the league, which is the most from a, from a linebacker in that time. So, yeah, he, he's been great. He's great in coverage. He's a great run sucker. He does it all with his, with his speed and his length. So, yeah, I, right now I, I do have him number one just – as you mentioned with Wagner and Warner kind of both getting up there at age that uh, I kind of put Warner up there for no, at number one. Yeah, it's close. It's debatable. Warner, Wagner, you can, you can pick four linebackers and they could be right up. You can be argued they're the best Fred Warner, uh, Bobby Wagner, uh, Eric Hendricks. And then you could, you could put a, uh, and I've, I forgot to put in my top five, but I forgot that one, but yeah, Kendricks, Wagner, Warner, and Leonard, you could all make a case that they're one of the best linebackers in the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're all really good. There's a lot of really good linebackers right now in the NFL. Um, for time if you count, been... if you count inside linebackers, some of those yeah, outside inside. linebackers in the three-four, I consider those more as edge rushers. Yeah, nowadays, yeah, they've kind of turned more to edge guys. But yeah, inside linebackers, you know, obviously there's some really good ones. Um, yeah, well, you know, Wagner's been really good with Seattle for for a while. Um, you know, Warner in San Francisco. So yeah, like Leonard's like that big kind of. I guess not really up and coming now, but he's that big young star at the inside linebacker position, kind of him and um, Buckner kind of anchoring that uh, Colts defense. So, yeah, right now um, I, you know, put him I, – I, it's, like, very close. But, yeah, I, I think all five are just – it's it's close. And, yeah, you know, you can make a case for any of those five. And, you know, um, yeah, you can make a case for any of those five. And the thing is, you're seeing what Chris Ballard's doing. He's he's he, he doesn't like free agency. He does not want to spend you know money in free agency. He wants to sign his own guys. And you're looking with Darius Leonard. You know what he's doing. He's, he wants to say yes. He did go out and trade for DeForest Buckner, uh, but he wants to sign a lot of his own guys. You know they're going to sign Quentin Nelson a long term too. So they're really good. Chris Ballard's really focused on trying to sign his own guys. And 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 you saw him signing Brendan Smith uh, earlier this offseason too. So he's trying to just trying to sign his own guys. To, to, to make up pretty much his own kind of team. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a, something that I don't – I think you have to use free agency, but the Colts have chosen not to. They want to sign their own guys. Yeah, and it, and it works. You know, you look at a team like the Jets, and they never can sign their own guys. And look at them. They're, they're always one of the worst teams. I know. They, they, able to... they, they're the opposite. They rely on buying players in free agency instead of, you know, signing their own guys. Yeah, and most of the time, you know, they, they've kind of struggled still by doing that. But – um. You know, um, yeah, you know, they kind of show, but yeah, like I think that it, you know, in all pro sports is being able to develop the guys and keeping them here, you know, keeping them in your system is it, a way to go, and it's a way that you know, because then it's because you know, like the team like the Colts, they draft well, you know, they're able to you know have success in the draft, and yeah, you look at teams like the Jets and they kind of struggle, and the few guys that they find, 
you know, they end up leaving anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's such a big part of why the Colts have been so good for a while is, you know, that they're always kind of a playoff team or they're right there because um, their development and being able to keep the players, you know, in town. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got another move in the AFC East that are, is not going to help the Patriots. Uh, the Dolphins uh, reworked Xavier Howard's contract so we could stay with the team. And I like what Brian Flores did here. Yes, he wanted out of there. But I feel like right now, you know, I think Brian Flores is able to convince him to stay with the team, rework his contract, and and we'll see what happens there. I mean, I don't know if he's totally happy right now, but we'll see what ends up happening. But either way, it hurts your team. The Josh Allen move and this move, yeah. it just hurts your team. Yeah, yeah, the uh, AFC tough, AFC East is getting a little bit tougher. Yeah, now we have to deal with Josh Allen for the next six years, at, at, you know, at the at least. And yeah, now Xavier Howard, one of the best cornerbacks, and you know, the NFL, um, you know, and it sounds like he is a bit happier now that they're going to restructure his contract in the offseason. They gave him the initiatives, which I, it's, a, it's a smart idea for Miami to kind of have him go out there, you know, for Howard to kind of go prove himself. Um, yes, Mac Jones will be the answer, as Obi comments there. Um, oh, we'll, we'll get to that. We're talking, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that. So, uh, yeah. uh, I hope he's the answer. He gets us back to the, uh, the playoffs. But, yeah, you know, I, I think for Howard, it's a good move for that defense to kind of keep him happy. Um, I'm not really surprised. I, You know, I like Flores, you know, um, down there in Miami. I think he's done a really good job so far there. So I'm, I'm not really surprised that they kind of got this figured out. And it sounds like, you know, they'll, they'll restructure and give him a new contract in the offseason. So for Howard, you know, this season he goes to try to go out there and go bets on himself for a new contract. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, the Dolphins, I think we're looking at their them clear. I know you disagree. I think they're clearly the second-best team in the A. I know you probably think it's closer, but I think they're clearly the second-best team in the division. I think Tua makes a jump. And I think this defense, they play a lot of man coverage. They got Howard and Jones back. I, I mean, there's some questions to the defense. I don't think it'll be as good as last year, but I think their offense will be better because of their weapons. I mean, they get drafting Jalen Waddle, going out and signing Will Fuller. Yeah, yes, he's a major if because we don't know if he can stay healthy or not, but – I think this team right now, I think they're a 10-11 win team. I think they're a playoff team. Yeah, I think they're good. It, it, it is very close for me because I, I don't know what – I don't know what's going to happen with the Patriots quarterback situation because I think it all kind of – you know, it, I think it's a big question mark on if the Patriots offense, you know, how how successful they're going to be. So, yeah, for me it's it's close, but, you know, I, I like two coming out. I've kind of been, you know – you know, it was weird last year with him. He kind of struggled. I, I think he's good enough to kind of make that next step. I like the offense that they put around him. The defense is still solid. I do think right now they are a little bit better than the New England Patriots right now. Because I, I think, too, that um, even though we haven't seen all the answers from Tua yet in, in the um, in the NFL, but at least there's an actual kind of – we kind of know – little bit where we're going to get. We don't really know what we're going to get right now from that Pages offense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, and yeah, there's a lot of unknowns with the Dolphins too, but yeah, the Patriots offense is a huge unknown. The Dolphins offense, we assume is going to be a lot, is going to be better with their new, new weapons. Maybe a little bit worse defensively because they you know, gave up a lot of yardage defensively last year. They're real lucky. They You can't rely on turnovers all the time, so they gave up a lot of yardage defensively last year, and their front seven is still quite, very questionable to me even though Flores is a really good defensive mind. He blitzes a lot and plays a lot of man coverage, and they got the guy, obviously, who's Xavier Howard playing man coverage. But, yeah, right now I 
I still say it's the Dolphins, but it is close. Yeah, it is. It, to me, it's really close. I, I think it, you know, if it does go flip-flop and New England finish the second, I still think Miami gets another one of those wild cards, I think. I think it's very possible three AFC East teams could get in. So, yeah, I, it's close. Yeah, there's a couple of knowns for the Dolphins, but I think, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the way forward is really done with this team. It has really turned this thing around a lot quicker than most people thought. Uh, you know, I, I, I do like this Dolphins team, and I, I think they're probably a, just a little bit better. But we'll find out early because, you know, week one, um, you know, week one they play, they face off again. So, We'll, we'll find out very early. And we'll be talking about that game when it comes up. We'll be we'll be talking a lot about that game when it comes up. But we got to get to the Giants. We got to get to Saquon Barkley. And I'm excited. Activated off the pup list. Back at practice. Back at practice. The big question is, will he start week one? I feel like he will. I, I don't want to play in the preseason. I don't want any part of Saquon Barkley playing in this preseason. Him or Kenny Galladay, I, I don't care. I don't care if, if, if Jones and Galladay don't get reps. I don't want them playing in the preseason. I don't want them getting hurt. They need to have their weapons healthy. I saw this Giants offense. Ovi did. Ovi did too. The uh, reason I come from Ovi, I believe so. But he's not the total answer for offensive production. I get it. I get it. I'm not. You know, running backs are not the total answer for for, for off. Obviously, they aren't. You know, Daniel Jones is going to have to step up. But with him being on the field, it's definitely going to help Daniel Jones step up. Yes, his offensive line has to be better too, much better too, than they were last year. And I think that even though Gettleman didn't address it, I think it'll be improved. But I'm happy just to see Saquon Barkley back at practice, back in a Giants uniform. I'm I'm back at practice after what happened in week two last year. It was a terrible moment for Giant fans. And I feel like he's going to play week one. I think he'll be out there in week one against the Denver Broncos. Justin, you feel like he's going to be out there? I keep going back and forth on this because, you know, because obviously they have the week, the very short, you know, week two game uh, Thursday night at Washington, which is a division game and you want him out there. So I, I think it really depends on how healthy he is because it sounds like he may play week three preseason. It sounds like it's, you know, wouldn't be out of the question. He gets two weeks and we kind of get to see how he, how he feels. You get two weeks before week one. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not out there week one and they're saving him for week two at Washington because every game matters in the NFL, but you'd rather have him there for Washington for the division game because it, it's a game that, you know, at Washington – that you know really could um you know be such a huge you know swing if you guys are able to win that division not playing Washington you guys have even though you guys have played well even though two games without him last year you guys did beat Washington but um still I wouldn't be shocked out out to see him out there week two instead of week one if he doesn't play um but you know from the pictures I've seen of seen of him it, it looks like he's healthy but um, I, I think it's smart by the Giants to kind of take it easy with them and take their time and make sure he's 100% ready to go. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I have a feeling, though, if you don't see him out there in in, in week one, I think it's a very, there isn't really a good chance you're going to see him in week two because it's just such a short week. Uh, so I think if you don't see him week one, I think it's going to be all the way till week three until you see him. But I feel like they're going to need him. Again, especially against Washington, because Washington's an improved team. I mean, I don't think because of their quarterback situation, their inconsistent running game, they'll be a playoff team. But they're definitely, even though they made the playoffs last year, the NFC used to be better. Obviously, the NFC used to be better. They won't be able to win the, win the NFC with seven wins. But I, I, I don't think you're going to see him again. I, don't, I think that if, if you don't see him week one, you won't see him until week three. But I feel like it's important to have him out there to start the season because those are two winnable games against the Broncos and Washington. And if you get into an 0-2 hole, 
that's a really tough hole, especially even though it's a 17 game season, that's a really, really tough hole to fall into. So I really think he should be out there. I think, I really hope he's out there for week one. Yeah. You know, I, I think, yeah. Um, it's, you know, there's a good chance. I, I, you know, I'm kind of saying if he's not out, I feel like if he's not out there week, one, you know, if he's ready to go week one, I feel like there's a chance that maybe he only plays like a little bit and they save him more for the Thursday game at Washington just because it's a vision game and it's coming off a short week. I think if it, the Washington game was on a Sunday in week two, I think it's definitely you see him out there week one. You know, with the way the Giants are kind of taking it really easy with him, I could see him kind of, you know, maybe getting a series or two and then kind of saying, all right, you know, let's hold on to you till Thursday night against Washington and then kind of, you know, get it going. I could possibly maybe see that happening with, with Saquon. We'll see. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And uh, I hope he's out there week one, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's not because the Giants have said they're going to want to take it slow with him to start the year. But we got to talk about Justin's team, and that's the New England Patriots and the quarterback battle right now. And from what you're hearing, I, I mean, I, I've from what I've been hearing, it's been kind of mixed reactions, Cam or Mac. From what you're hearing, who has the edge right now? Is it is it is it uh, two questions? Who has who do you think has the edge, and who do you want? Who do you think should be the number one quarterback right now? You know, for me, yeah, you know what I've been hearing. It's been one day. It's like Cam has kind of been the guy, and it's Mac Jones has been struggling, and then it's vice versa the next day. So it's it's kind of been weird. Um, it's very been back and forth very on, um, early on here. Um, it sounds like Mac Jones' workload's getting a little bit more and more each day. He's getting more reps with the first team. Um, but it's right now it's, it's, they're running two different attacks. You know, obviously Cam Newton's more of a runner and they're kind of running more of a read option type system with him. And then Mac Jones is running the more traditional Patriots system. So, you know, I, I think it sounds like Mac is kind of, you know, one day he's playing well, the next day it's, he's struggling. So I do think right now it's still Cam's job to lose. But – and I think we kind of know this with Bill too. Um, you know, I Obi's comment, Mac Jones is, is a rookie. Um, but he would be prepared to start like Brady did for Bledsoe. Yeah, that oh, coaching yeah. coach himself have him prepared. I agree there. I definitely agree. Mm -hmm. The thing for me, though, is how this Patriot team was built. And I feel like this Patriot team was built – to play a lot of 12 personnel. And for our audience, that's two that's that's uh, two tight ends and two wide receivers and one running back. I think they're built to play a lot of 12 personnel where they like to, you know, they're going to run. I know Hunter Henry's hurt, but they're going to run the ball uh, a lot and play and, and use Cam off play action. I feel, feel like this team is built for Cam because I don't think they're going to be in a lot of three wide receiver formations because they're not very good at wide. Even though they went out and got Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, I still don't think they're that good at receiver. I think their strength is to have, you know, have Aguilar and have Jacoby Myers as the receivers and play with those two tight ends. So I feel like this offense, the, the personnel-wise, is kind of designed around Cam. But for the future, they're obviously going to design it around Mac Jones because he's the future quarterback. But for this year, I feel like this team, personnel-wise, is kind of designed is kind of designed around Cam Newton. Do you agree, Justin? Yeah, I kind of do. I, I do kind of think it's kind of built around him right now. You know, the tight end set, you know, a lot of people kind of were like, you know, a lot of question marks with the tight end, but we've seen that really work out with Bill Belichick. You know, obviously the days of Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, um, it, it's kind of, you know, worked. I, I think it's going to work. I think, yeah, it also, I think helps to where, you know, they're not going to, you know, uh, with the tight end sets too, they're not, I think, you know, some short kind of, routes there because you know can doesn't you know can't 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 throw a bomb anymore you know 30 40 yards on field i think for the short game it helps 
Yeah, you know, I, I think with the two backs of White and Michelle, and actually three backs with um Harris, uh, you know, using all three of those guys, I think it's gonna help. So yeah, you know, obviously the wide receiver core is not great, but it does feel like they can um, you know, and even like that, like Aguilar, who's who's pretty quick, it's like, you know, maybe using him on some wide receiver sweeps and all that. But right now I do think it's kind of built more for um Cam Newton, but it, it'll be interesting because Bill's even mentioned there, and we've seen Bill do this through the years. You know, he doesn't care about the preseason games. He likes to join practice much more because he can kind of script the two-minute drills and the red zone offenses. So I think that's where the battles are going. That's where the battles going to be won. I don't think it – I don't really think, you know, the actual preseason games really are going to mean a lot. I think it'll show a little bit, but I think it'll come down to the joint practices. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it'll be fun to uh, follow this quarterback battle between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Giants and Pats play last week of the preseason on uh, on August 29th. So we'll definitely be talking about that, and uh, that'll be huge because that's kind of the dress rehearsal for those two teams. But we got to get to uh, baseball and uh, the Yankees. They keep winning, but they keep having COVID issues. That's just the weird part of it. Rizzo tested positive for COVID on Sunday. Yeah, Gary Sanchez tested positive for COVID on uh on, on, on uh, last Thursday. So despite the COVID issues, though, this team keeps winning. And the reason they keep winning is because of good, really good starting pitching from, from really unexpected guys you didn't expect. I mean, that heel guy who they brought up, he's been really good. Uh, Cortez has really stepped up. He's been good. Tyone's been pitching great the last five to six starts. Tyone, I mean, he started, he started slow, but he's pitched great the last five to six starts. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the starting pitching has just been really good. The offense has been the timely hitting. It's been the timely hitting of this offense. Obviously, you saw on Thursday night. You saw on – let's go back even to, to Wednesday with uh, with Giancarlo Stanton get that – even though it was kind of a bloop single, he got that huge hit on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and then Joey Gallo, I was in the stadium for that, getting that three-run homer on Thursday night. On Friday night, obviously, you have uh, – it was, uh, I think, David Stanton that tied the game and then Gardner won it. Uh, Saturday, you got the big hit from Odor, and then uh, and then last night you got big hits all around. You got big hits from uh, you got big hits from Judge. You got a big hit from Voight. You got a big hit from Lemayu, and then from Lemayu. So you got a ton of big hits. I mean, obviously the bullpen is that's another story. They couldn't close the game with Chapman out, but still the Yankees still playing well despite the COVID issues. But I think it's all started with the starting pitching from unexpected guys. Yeah, it's kind of you know last few years with all the you know injuries they faced with the batters, you know with that lineup. It's kind of been the lineup, you know, kind of obviously the Gio or shells of the world. You know, they've kind of found those type of guys. But, yeah, it's been the pitching now. Luis Heel, um, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, come up here and pitched really well. Um, you know, hasn't – yeah, he hasn't allowed a run in two starts. And, you know, I know the Mariners and Orioles lineup's not great, but I, I thought both starts were really, really good. And um, though he had strikeout ball work, because I know it's, his issue's been controlled, but – it's out of Alex Han- that uh, Andrew Haney guy they got. The pitching's been yeah. great. Yeah, I'd tell you, even though Haney three through six, he yeah. he, he was yeah. better. Yeah, he I texted you like d- d- during the game. This yeah. guy's terrible. Get rid of this guy. This guy's terrible. And then he, he stepped up yeah, later yeah. in the game on Saturday. Yeah, he gave him six innings, which they needed. Yeah, it did not seem like he was gonna get out of the second inning, but he gave him six innings and he got the win. So, which I don't think any of us thought was gonna happen after that second inning. Um, but yeah, you know, then Saturday it was like, you know, Mitch Haniger, he dropped that fly ball out in a right field. And that's kind of when, you know, the offense woke up, you know, some timely hitting there. 
Um, they everybody finally get to Chris Flexen after that. So yeah, it's been timely hitting. Uh, the rotation, you know, obviously without Cole and without Montgomery and Herman lately. Tyone, yeah, Tyone was great again. I, I was not happy that Boone pulled him last night. Again, he's been great all night. He had, was at 87 pitches. Give him the chance to get out of that. Give him the chance to, you know, get his win there. I I, I didn't like the move there, but I, I know that's the analytical book telling you to take him out. But, yeah, this bullpen is, you know, a big worry. I know Clay, Clay Holmes was, you know, um, got the one got the one last night. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, right now without or with Britain, Britain, yeah, scary. It's scary just it's just you game. don't trust any of these guys to close. Lewisica, Britain, I don't trust any of these guys to close. So without Chapman, it's it, it's it's definitely a loss. Everybody, you know, and Boone, you know, benching Chapman. You know, Chapman struggled, but they should have kept him as the closer because he's by far he's by he definitely should be the closer of this team. And you're seeing yeah. it right now without him. You saw last night why he should be the closer because if he's the closer, they win that game three two. They're not playing all those last two innings. Yeah, they're not, and you know that's that's the issue because they don't have much bullpen at the moment. You know, they their their bullpen is taxed. So, yeah, it's it stinks that you know they're gonna miss him for the next eight, ten games. Yeah, you know, but it's always like that month. We have always seen Chapman kind of struggle, and he kind of figures it out. And I know, uh, Friday, I think it was Friday night the last time. Yeah, Friday we or no, it was Thursday. Um, you know, and I and it did see it didn't seem right because of velocity was down. Um, you know, which was kind of worried at the time, and it makes sense that you know something was wrong in the elbow. Um, but like, yeah, you know, like like is Lukey, who I know the ERA is so good. Um, but it's like the last few, he's kind of given up some hits. I don't, I don't think he's given up much runs, but he's kind of gotten out some tight road situations. It's just there's not too many guys you trust right now in the in the back end. It's scary, you know. Um, uh, Britain just, I don't know what they can. He just has control issues, which had never been um, kind of the issue. I see old yeah. kind of pitchers are doing, doing more compared. Oh, uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, they're yeah. doing more compared to last season. Yeah, they, they they have to. And a lot of bullpens are getting taxed. We'll talk about another we'll talk about the Red Sox. Their bullpens yeah. getting taxed too because you know all, all the innings they have to go because these starters aren't going that many innings because because of because of the analytics. Yeah, it could look at Tampa Bay. They have fourteen pitchers right now on on the IL. Fourteen. It's you know like. You know, I know teams love to kind of to stack the bullpens nowadays, but it, it's not. But they're not. They're, they're bullpen guys because you know they're not meant to you know pitch so many innings. You know, there's a reason why. You know, they're better kind of in the late innings that go in an inning or two. It doesn't really you know pan out. So yeah, it's it's kind of been a struggle. And yeah, you know, I think 60 games is perfect for Tampa Bay. And uh, yeah, now we're kind of getting to that 100 games, over 100 games, kind of getting the dog days of summer. You're kind of seeing, yeah, guys kind of wear down and, uh, you know, a lot lot more kind of pitching injuries, which I guess we kind of figured was going to happen. But, yeah, it's a little problematic. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to this week's series with the White Sox. And first, we got to talk about the historic game they're playing at the Field of Dreams. And uh, it's great they're playing a game there. I mean, have you seen the movie Field of Dreams, Justin? Yeah, it's been a while, but yes, it's one of the best baseball movies. Yeah, I've seen it. My my remember my three favorite parts of that movie were uh, the first part is when you know Kevin Costner trying to break in to to take uh, Terrence Mann, who's uh, James Earl Jones, to a baseball game. I, I, that's what mm-hmm. uh, by like the fourth try, he finally gets him to go after uh, James Earl Jones tries to beat him with a crowbar to get him to go away. He finally <laughs> gets him to go. Second favorite part I would say from that movie was uh was was when when James Earl Jones said. 
uh, talked, gave his speech about how baseball has, has, you know, has, is, is, the, is one of the greatest things in America. And then the third thing was obviously the catch with, with, the, with the father's son. I know I'm throwing you a curve here, Justin. What are your favorite moment, memories from the movie? Yeah, I think the catch was one of the best. Um, I forgot who it is, but because it's been a few years, I should probably try to watch that movie in the next 48 hours here. Um, but, you know, um, when Coster's kind of talking to the first guy that comes out of the cornfield, it's like, you know, is this heaven? It's like, no, it's Iowa. I don't know. I always get chills at that moment. Oh, it's Ray Liotta. Um, yeah, no, is this heaven? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he says, heaven. yeah, Ray Liotta, the guy who plays Shulich Jack, it's like, no, it's he- is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Yeah. Coster says, no, it's Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I always get chills at that part. And then uh, the crowbar part is one of the uh, funny parts of the movie as well. So those are my three favorite parts. But definitely one of the best baseball movies I've seen. And definitely uh, got to watch that in the next few days. Absolutely. So let's get to the series against the White Sox. This is a big series. I mean, the Yankees, you know, two games out of the line. Like here it says, Joby's got to count. Series to see how many fans will be. There's Oh, it's going to be sold out. It will be sold out. 8,000 people, it will be sold out. I think they're bringing in like – um, 120 or 12,000. I forget how many. Wow, I think it's just over 10,000. Oh, it's going to be sold out, and there's, yeah. there's no way you're getting anyone's going to take it for that game because just how limited the capacity is. But it, it's going to be sold out, I mean, oh, yeah. it definitely is. And yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. 715 on Fox. I'll definitely tough for you because you got the Patriots preseason opener yeah. and you got that, so it's going to be tough for you to see what you'll be watching on Thursday night, but. Yeah, uh, yeah but, but let's get to the series against the White Sox. Let's get to Thursday night's game. The White Sox playing really well. I think right now they are going to be the best team in the American League. You saw, uh, you know, Eloy Jimenez hitting four home runs in his last two games, 10 RBIs. You know, uh, I know they're playing the Twins and the Cubs, but, I mean, uh, Tim Anderson hits two leadoff home runs to, to, to start the game. So, you know, White Sox are playing great baseball. And uh, we'll go to, you know, Thursday uh, on Thursday night. They, they got, you know – do you, do you got the pitching match for this series? I think um, I, I I know that uh, I know that uh, I know that. Uh, let me think. What's what, what's his name? Again? I know Lynn's Rodin. not pitching. Rodon, Rodon, oh, I think it's going. I think it's Rodon Thursday. Yeah. I think it's C Saturday, and I think it's uh, Giolito Sunday. And for the Yankees, I think they're throwing. Uh, I've seen Haney. This is uh, what I've seen from CBS. It's Haney Thursday, Saturday. Had they have Garrett Cole Sunday? Uh, Tyone. Yeah, I wonder if Cole's going to pitch, though. I don't yeah, know if he's going uh, to because I, don't, I still don't know if he's off the uh, COVID IL list yet. I don't I know. I'm not sure. I think Thursday, I believe, is the day he comes off that. Or that will be the 10 days. So as long as he tests negative, I think it's Thursday because it was last Monday where he tested positive. So um, I, I believe it would be Thursday he comes off of that. Okay. Okay. So we'll probably be able to pitch that Saturday night game in Chicago. Yep. Yeah, he should be. So, um, but yeah, again, it, I don't know how they swept this white size the first time, but yeah, they're playing well. Um, and yeah, Julito is going Sunday and then Saturday is season, according to what I've seen from CBS. Okay. Um, gotcha. Sports. Gotcha. 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 White okay, Sox. Oh, he's got, yeah. White Sox, Scott Rendon, Cease, and Giolito. Okay. Okay. So okay. It's a, they're all three good pitchers. It's going to be a tough series. I got the, I mean, just the way the White Sox are playing right now. I just think, you know, even though the Yankees are playing well, I just think the White Sox are the better team. I got them taking two out of three. Yeah, I'm going to take two out of three. I, I think losing Rizzo, too, because I think he's been such a huge spark since coming on this team and playing. So I think kind of not having him this week in the lineup 
it's going to hurt. And that's a really good point because you've seen this offense definitely not be as good. Oh, the Yankees <laughs> getting swept. Huh? Worry about the Red Sox. Worry about the Red Sox. Yeah. We'll be talking about them later. But, yeah, I mean, I just think – yeah, you made a good point with Rizzo. This offense, you saw them get shut out on Sunday. They were shut out – they were pretty much shut out for 15 innings without Anthony Rizzo in this lineup. So, that was a really good point about Anthony Rizzo uh, that, uh, that, that you know, him, him being out has definitely hurt the lineup a little bit. Yeah, it has. I think, you know, he's kind of just that – that's the spark plug that kind of gets him going. And, yeah, you tend to take out that inning Saturday where they got four runs off of that air from Hanniger. Yeah, they really haven't done much. They didn't do much Sunday. You know, they didn't really get going in the seventh inning last night. So, yeah, it's kind of been a little bit of a struggle um, kind of – because Saturday, you kind of tell he just – you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It was Saturday after the game, so I don't – you know, I don't know what his symptoms are like right now, but he kind of – didn't look great Saturday at the plate, but um, so yeah, he's kind of been the sparkle. It's gonna to be tough because you know it, it, he's kind of brought in that lefty energy bat that doesn't strike out a ton, puts the ball in play, and he kind of just seems like that um, you know that yeah that kind of spark plug in the in the lineup there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So um, the Yankees big series with the White Sox interesting to see what they would do, but we got to get to the Red Sox, and they have really, really been struggling. This team has lost eight out of ten. They lost three out of four in in Toronto, uh, and that's a series they definitely should have gotten a split of. I mean, and they 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 they, they, they should definitely got a split. They could have easily won three out of four because they lost the game on uh, on. On Saturday, one to nothing when uh, Pavetta when they took Pavetta out, and then Barnes gave up the home run to win the game, and then obviously Barnes gave up another home run. Bar- bullpen is worn out, no, ex- but the, but no excuses for Matt Barnes. And yes, I, I agree with Ovi there. Where if you want to be a top closer in this game, you got to get the job done. He's got to get the job done on Sunday. Sunday is a game that a championship team has to win. You got a seven to two lead uh, in that game. Your bullpen, I know they're they're burnt out, but you got an eight six lead. You, you, your offense scores eight runs. You got to win that game. Sunday is a game that a championship team has to win, and that's why right now I don't see the Red Sox. I, I'm not saying this is a Yankee fan. I'm saying this objectively. I don't see the Red Sox as a championship team. And obviously, before the season, they weren't even close to a championship team. So what they've done from here, they've had a really good year for what their expectations were. But right now, I don't see the Red Sox as a championship team. No, I don't either. Um, it, it's been a struggle, and I know Chris Sale's going to make the mounts Saturday for the first time, which. But you know, I think Obi could attest this too. Sunday was the um, yeah. Actually, Analytics was, need to be taken yeah. off the table. Force the pitchers to pitch six yeah. innings, and Obi could not be more right about that. Yeah, they got to stop with these analytics. This this analytics is just it's 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 hurt it hurt the it's hurt the Yankees a lot this year. It's starting to hurt the Red Sox. The analytics need to stop. Play the game, and you look at the yeah. two best teams in the American League. They got managers that don't rely on analytics. The analytics have to stop they have to stop watch the game and know how to manage the game stop stop listening to the guys in the front office because if you keep doing that you're going to keep losing you're just going to keep losing if you you trust your eyes like the white Sox and the astros you win you made a great point yeah you know you got to have a feel as a manager i think that makes a manager really good and you know alex core has done a good job of kind of doing that you know um kind of knowing when you know kind of pulling the trigger and all that you know offensively when the pitch hit him guys and all that but yeah analytics need to be off the table um yeah you know you red sox you're not clutch bat hitters right now and obviously you know, we all, is, really yeah Dev, warm, but. yeah devers really and because bogarts and jd have struggled and uh and obviously the, the perfect fit would have been anthony rizzo yeah and it's you know the yankees stole him from him and you know it's kind of been 
you know, I'll say because Kyle Schwarber now is out for another two weeks. Sounds like sounds like he strained yeah. his groin. Yeah, the Schwarber move made no sense. It really made no sense. There's nowhere yeah. nowhere where he was going to really fit with this team. Try to play him at first base is a good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, he, and he was a free agent. Rizzo would have been a free agent. Yeah. Perfect. You know, because Dahlbeck, yeah, Dahlbeck, you know, he he's not been playing well this year, but he's got high. They have they have high expectations oh, yeah. for him. So, oh, absolutely, would have been a really good mentor for yeah. uh, for 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 Dahlbeck. Yeah, he would have. And they wanted Schwarber to – they were going to try him out first base. They are going to use him DH and probably play more of left field because uh, right field has been more of run throw this year. So that's what they wanted to do with him. Um, but, well, yeah, you know, now he's going to be back, I think, end of August now, but a lefty bat. So, yeah, it, they didn't give up much for him. But And then you look at the other one, and Hansel Robles, he got rocked the other night. Like, he – you know, it sounds like now he's going to be more of a mop up role. It's like, so why, you know, so they kind of lost out on him. And it, but Sunday was a domino effect. Garrett Richard, who actually puts well, but he, he can't go deep in the game. He goes five and two thirds. Jot Taylor, who's been pretty good for most of the year, get only gets one out. And then Sal Moore gets hurt, unfortunately. You know, nothing you can do about that. But, and, and you know, Steve, too, watching on video over the years, he can't get you extra outs. No. You know, and then they have to bring on Barnes to get extra outs. And, um, coming out of no rest in his career, Barnes has a 5.44 ERA. He's not been great in back-to-back days. So I, I think Richard's probably good, he's going to move the – Good point, because I think that he's the guy to move to that bullpen. I think, yeah, well, obviously, when Sale comes back on Saturday, you obviously have, obviously have Sale, you have Erod, you have Pavetta, you have Perez. Perez and you have is Evan, bullpen now. Oh, boy, he's the bullpen now? Okay, and you yeah. have, have Evaldi. And oh, oh, Hulk, too. Hulk's Hulk, probably going to rotate Hulk. They keep sending him down for no oh, reason. Yeah. They got to keep him in that rotation. I, I don't get it. I get it. So, yeah, Richards will probably be the guy that moves to the bullpen once uh, Sale comes back on Saturday. Whitlock. I think next year I heard Whitlock, they want to make him a starter. They should put him more for the rest of the year in a more like um, high-intense situation. i like to see him in the seventh, eighth inning. You know, I don't know why they don't want to put him in that high kind of leverage role. I think next year it sounds like they want to kind of um, – intensifying back to being a starter because that's what he was in the Yankees farm farm uh, system was a starter and they kind of wanted to ease him back in there so I'd like to see Whitlock get more high leverage spots here at the end of the year because I think he'd be able to handle he's he's done a, he's had a terrific year yeah absolutely he's definitely had a good year but we got to get to the Red Sox series against the Rays Red Sox right now four games behind Tampa in the American League East and they really they really got to if they want to if they to me if they want if they really want to win this division they got to take two out of three at home. I mean, you look at the matchups. You got Erod against uh, Tano, or they, the Braves are throwing random guys out there because they have so many injuries. Uh, you got Evaldi versus Yarborough. You got Pavetta against Fleming. Let's say, the Red Sox definitely have to win this series the way the pitching lines up. But you know, I just don't trust the Red Sox right now. I trust the Rays more, even though the pitching lines up really well for the Red Sox and they're at home. I don't trust the Red Sox right now. I'm taking Rays two out of three. Yeah, the Red Sox start their, you know, they opened the year against the Rays four and up. They've lost five straight now. Tampa, you know, they've kind of had their number here the last few week, last few meetings. Um, yeah, the bats need to go. I don't think Verdugo's on parent um, fraternity leave. I don't think he's gonna play tonight. Then it sound like Sunday. Doesn't sound like he'll be back to tomorrow or Thursday. And he's kind of been your hottest hitter lately. I know the bats started getting going Sunday, but before then, he's your hottest hitter. So. Right now, yeah, I think the Rays are going to be able to take two out of three. If Aldi got rocked at the end of his outing on uh, Friday night, he's kind of being your best one. I, I do think Tampa Bay comes in here and, and takes two out of three. They, they've been playing better, you know. Um, 
I know for little start there after Glassman got hurt, they struggled, but there's, you know, they rebound and they're starting to play really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just such a, I think the biggest thing for the Rays though is, is their offense is absolutely completely improved for what it was. Even though they got to the world series last year, a big reason they got there was because they're starting pitching in their bullpen. They were an average offensive team. Now this is actually a really good offensive team with, with Nelson Cruz, with the addition of Nelson Cruz, you got Wander Franco starting to hit the ball better. You got Austin Meadows has had a good year. Uh, you got Nick, uh, you got, uh, you got Brendan Lau. He, he's kidding for power. And obviously a Rose arena is, is decent as well. Yeah, you know, that lineup, yeah, they kind of found guys that developed. I know Mike Zanino as well. Like, his, his, his average is way down there. But yeah, oh, Power-wise, he has, he has like over 20 yeah. home runs, yeah. Yeah, for a catcher, you'll take that any day of the week. You wish you get more base hits. But, you know, so, yeah, this lineup's really gotten going. I think Nelson Cruz has been a huge help to that and got really Wanda Franco going. And he's done well it's, it's so far in his time against Boston. So, he, he's kind of come up with some clutch hits for him. So, yeah, right now, I you know um, – it's Tampa lineup right now. It's really gotten hot. They're they're playing a lot better baseball. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens between the Sox and the Rays. It will be interesting. But we got to wrap up the show. And we got unfortunately got to wrap up the show with some sad news, and that's the passing of Bobby Bowden on Saturday. Unfortunately, we lost him. One of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. What he did for Florida State was amazing. He was a huge part. I mean, the recruiting he, he did. You know, obviously getting Deion Sanders, the, the Peter Warwicks, the Chris Winkies. The team, the teams, the team, Charlie Ward, those the, the 1993 national championship team, that 1999. So two national titles he won in 93 and 99. He's just a phenomenal head coach, uh, a great mentor to young men. You heard, you know, work done, work done. Yesterday said that too. He was on uh, Shanane Gold Jr. on ESPN Radio. He said he said how uh, how he was such a mentor to young men. Chris Fowler was on too, saying talking about how he built that program pretty much from nothing to a national power. And just it's it's sad to have him gone, but you got to but. We definitely have to remember him as one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. Oh, absolutely. And you could say he's, you know, one of the few coaches that has, you know, has meant so much to one program that he had at Florida State. You know, they went to a bowl game every year from 82 to 09. Before, you know, in 76 when he got there, the last three years, they were 4-29. He won five games his first year. He kind of turned that program around quickly. It was all Florida, Miami, and that state. He turned them around so quickly into one of the powerhouses. Uh, you know, he always gave kids a second chance. He always believed in that. He was a big um, Christian. He always believed in giving guys a second chance. Um, you know, you don't see guys nowadays staying at, at a place for 34 years. He was absolutely – he is one of the best. Um, he was a winner, you know. Um, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate to lose him. Um, but – you know, Florida State is, is not where they are. Bobby Bowden never took that job. Um, he is one of the best college football coaches of all time. It, it's sad to lose him, um, but he had a great, great career at Florida State and building that program. Absolutely, and those FSU Miami games were classic. A lot of those wide it was I think it was wide it was wide right three times, right? <laughs> yeah, wide, wide right, right three yep. times, and then in two thousand two it was wide left, right left, right. Yep. So yep. yeah, and those games were so classic that. For, for a while, that was a must-see game, especially oh, back man. when uh, Bush Davis and Larry Coker were there when Miami was great, when Florida State was great. That was a must-see game every year, Florida State and Miami. Oh, yeah, that that that, that turned into such a huge robbery year after year. There's so many great games, uh, so many tight ones, you know, a lot of bad blood between each team. And then, um, yeah, it kind of became a stable in that state. And then even Florida State, Florida has even had their classics. So, yeah. Um, he had some great games against Miami. Uh, 91 and 92, I think he lost like two heartbreak. Yeah, the two heartbreakers that they could have won national championships those two years as well. So 
Yeah, you know, a lot of heartbreak into Miami, but um, you know, he he's had a couple big ones against them as well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's gonna wrap it up for sports talk with RJ this week. Huge thanks to Ovi Muniz yes, for stepping up and, and, and producing today. Uh for, for Justin Nafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking Yank Socks, uh, NFL news, and any NBA news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone.